0: Good morning, everybody. How are you all doing this beautiful Sunday morning? Praise God. Hallelujah. We just want to thank God for you. We want to thank God for your families. We want to thank God for this moment and this time that we are here. And uh, God is just good. God is awesome. Father, this morning we just want to thank you. We want to bless you for who you are, what you are, and what you mean to us. Father, we just want to thank you because this morning, you will allow your spirit to help us to expressly express your word. We thank you because your word will go out with power, with faith, with grace, and it will build us up and help us to be able to be those people that you want us to be. We bless you and we give you praise. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. All right, good morning again, everybody. If you don't know me, Uh, My name, again, is Larry Yamuna. I just want to welcome you. We are World Outreach uh, Church for All Nations, and we are broadcasting from this, our uh, campus here, on 1294 Brazzleton Highway, Lawrenceville, Georgia. All right, if you have been following what we have been teaching and what we have been talking about um, for some time now, we have been talking about financial freedom. And as I try to... uh, I, as I try to teach this morning, I don't want to uh, rehash what uh, Pastor has said. I will try and just uh, argument or buttress some of the things that he has said so far, all right? But um, I want us to pay attention to these three things, because as we uh, taught about giving and all of that, I just want us to know that when we're talking about financial freedom, we're talking about a broad spectrum of things. and. Our outlook is going to come from scriptures, right? And uh, those things that we have uh, learned before. All right, when we're talking about financial freedom, there are three things that we are looking at, or there are three buckets, what I call three buckets of financial freedom. What do you need to do? What do we need to do to get into uh, financial freedom? Uh, The first bucket that we have treated all this while is, can we all say this? Can we say it? Yes. The first bucket we are, that we, we uh, that we need to know when we're talking about financial freedom is the bucket of giving. All right, that's the first bucket. All right, the second bucket of financial freedom that we need to know as Christians is. Can anybody take a guess? You say. Save. Save, as in savings. All of you have savings accounts and all of that. You have bank account. you have saves, you have all of that, right? All right. And the third bucket. This looks small. It's what? Huh? Spending. Spending. Oh, my God. Spend. I know some people are happy now because I said you can spend money. Am I correct? Yeah, nobody needs to be taught. You need to be taught how to manage your money, but you don't need to be taught how to spend it, right? Everybody has a natural anointing to spend. Yes, Am I correct? <laughs> so these are the three buckets of financial management as Christians, because we're taking it from a Christian perspective, right? Now, if you go to the street, there are unbelievers, people on Wall Street and all of that, when they're talking about financial management, they never talk about this. Is not a consideration for them, all right? But for us as Christians, as Bible followers, as not just Bible followers, but as followers of Jesus Christ. We are Christ followers, right? Now, we, you cannot talk about financial management without talking about giving. And I'll give you the reason. The reason why is our purpose for financial management, for financial freedom, and financial you know, uh, uh, deliverance, or whatever you want to talk, whatever you want to call it, the main purpose for us having money is different from the purpose for which those outside have money. So we can not only limit our understanding of financial management to how they do it outside. We have to include God's way. And when we look at it from God's way, I dare to tell you that the crown prince of financial management when it comes to Christian way of doing things is given. And I'll explain it. And the reason is this, the reason why we have money in the first place. I think we have done that. You can go back and look and look at why we have, why we why we need money, why we work with money, why we why we do all of that. Right? You can look at it. You can go back and listen to those messages. The reason why it is so important is number one, right? Giving does not have to do about you. Saving has to do about you. Spending has to do about you. But giving doesn't have to do anything with you, all right? Primarily, it has to do with God and others. So that's why you have to put this as a consideration when you are thinking of managing your money. You have to do that. In other words, from God's perspective, giving is a crown prince of financial management. Let me use an analogy, a football analogy, right? You know, I I, I don't understand it very well. I had to ask people. (laughs) Let's say our giving spectrum, or our giving, you know, financial freedom, our management, financial management. Let's say, you know, it's uh, analogous to a football game and all of that. When you get there, when you, when you, when you, when you want to play, who is one of the most important people on the field? the quarterback. That's what your giving is. Your giving is like the quarterback in a football game because the, the, uh, uh, the, the quarterback dictates the pace and the temperature of the game. In the same way, if you are thinking of managing your finances from a godly perspective, you have to look at your giving as what dictates the pace and the temperature of your financial uh, your financial plans, and whatever it is. All right? Again, I'm going to repeat. Why is that so important? Because you're giving everything about your money, all the aspects of your money. What is most important is your giving because it first of all has to do with God and with others. Amen. And that's why Paul says, Paul calls it, he says, uh, 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 you know, about, uh, uh, about our giving. He talks about our giving that we should give liberally. It is a sacrifice that comes to god and all of that now i'm not going to do this there, there are some things i really quickly want to talk about but uh i will go into details of this ones I, I don't want to beat this one because pastor bank has already done all of this so this is what i want to talk about but again i'll do an intro today and then we'll complete it next week all right so now we've talked about our giving being our uh our like the quarterback right yes. all right However, in your football game, right? In a football game, or in a soccer game where you have the uh, midfielder, this, this is like a midfielder, you know, in the engine room, who dictates the pace and the temperature of the game and all of that, right? OK. Now, however, the quarterback alone does not win the game, right? The quarterback alone does not win the game. Now, we have some quarterbacks who are, you know, who can do, who can run and do all of that and do touchdowns and all of that. But if you depend on your quarterback alone to help you win the game, you're in trouble. All right? And that is where you need your running back. You need your tight end and all the other guys to help you get toward the touchline and to win the game. So what we're saying is that there's a combination of things that helps you to properly and adequately manage your finances that leads you to what? Financial freedom. Amen. amen. All right. Are we still together? Yes. All right. However, before we go into the details of this, I want to bring an introduction to you. Can you go with me to um, the book of, uh, yeah, go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 6. Let me tell you something about the book of timothy because i like you know when i when i interpret scripture i like to interpret it from context right we have to do it from context and i think one of the problems that we have as christians is that we forget context when it comes to interpreting scriptures all right and why is this uh essay or this uh, test or um this episode by timothy so important to our christian work in finances all right the reason why it is so important is this uh what's his name paul sent timothy to the Ephesian church to go and bring about correction to the things that have been wrong there. The Ephesian church was one of the most powerful churches of missionary work of Paul that he ever did. But along the way, something happened. They went off the rail. And as they went off the rail, Paul sent Timothy back there to go and correct everything that had gone wrong. Are we together? this letter was not written directly to the church. It was written for, to Timothy, for Timothy to use as a blueprint on how to correct everything that has gone wrong in the church of Ephesus, all right? And Timothy dealt, I mean, Paul dealt with all the things that were wrong in that church topically, right? He talked, about, uh, he talked about issues that he had with leadership. He talked about issues that he had with, uh, with well, you know, women, gender ruling, and all those kind of things. He talked about culture. He talked about all the things that went wrong with the church. And he gave him as a thesis or an epistle or a, 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 um, uh, a syllabus for him to be able to know what and what to correct. And that's why when you are reading the book of Timothy, I want you to pay attention to what you are reading because everything you are reading actually happened and they are all corrective measures as to how you should do what you should do, right? And that's why when Paul is talking here about money and what money is, we need to pay attention to it because the church at Ephesus at the time also had money, also had problems with how to manage money, use money, interact with money. They never had a good understanding with the interaction of money. And so this morning, this will be what I will just uh, uh, talk on. I will teach on this very quickly, very uh, uh, quickly, and then we'll go and that will be our introduction a prelude to what we're going to talk about next week. Now, look at what it said. First Timothy, uh, second Timothy 6. First Timothy, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. First Timothy 6, verse 6 to 1. Look at what it said. My God, but godliness with contentment is great, great. Now, I want you to know that Number six, uh, this, uh, it started, this verse one from chapter six, verse one is where he started all these things about money. It was really important for him to communicate what to do to bring about correction in the way they observe money and look at it. And because, and this is really important, I want you to know, this is really important. Financial freedom does not start with how much you have. Amen. If you want to be free financially, it's not a question of how much you have or how much you spend, that's not what it has. That's not where it starts. Financial freedom starts before you have a buck in your pocket. Amen. If you don't, it's important to understand that. If you don't understand that financial freedom starts before you have money in your pocket, when you have the money, it will be difficult for you to actually do this and manage it well. We'll get to that before I finish. So look at what he said. He said, but godliness with contentment is great grain. Go ahead. Number seven, chapter, plus seven. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Okay? And having food and raiment, let us be content. The second word is in the word content there. All right? But they that will be rich fall into temptation and snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Now, that word, the love of money, just explains the previous verse. It is not saying that you should not be rich. It is not saying you should not have money, but it said that they that will be rich, if you so desire to be rich, if all that you are consumed with, it's been rich yes. and that is all that preoccupies your mind. You said you are setting yourself up for a trap. Sure. Sooner, or later. Sooner or later, you are going to fall into that trap. All right, let's go. For the love of money is the root of all evil, not money now, the love of money, which while some coveted, you see the word again, coveted, you see that again, coveted, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So, if money is all that is, if if you're all about money, everything's about money, you know what you are doing? You are like literally taking an arrow and piercing yourself through. Mm. All right, number 11. But thou, O man of God, like I told you, this episode was written to Timothy, it was not written for the church. However, every one of us is a man of God. And you do well to to pay heed to this. We're all men and women of God. Let me be politically correct. I'm sorry. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Why is Paul talking about money? And he's talking about faith, love, meekness, and all that good stuff. Why is he talking about that? Because when it comes to your relationship with money, there's a a spiritual dimension to it. There's a spiritual dimension to it. That's why the Bible tells us that the only thing that really contends against God is money. You cannot serve God and mammon. Yeah. That's right. yeah. That's right. When it comes to God and things of God, there's a tension between money and the love of God. There's a tension. All right. All right. All right. And if you don't understand how to manage that tension, it will be difficult for you to manage your money and experience financial freedom. So, verse 17, charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded. So, it just shows you that I was kind of correct when I said, uh, those who are going to have money, Paul was not against people having money. Because right here he said it. Charge them that are rich in this world. That they be not high-minded. You see that again? Not trust in uncertain riches. Even though you are rich, don't trust in uncertain riches. Because all these things, they fade out. Even though riches are physical things, they have spiritual implications. But the living God, who giveth all things richly to enjoy. You see this now. That comes here. Well, it says, who gives you everything richly to enjoy. In other words, God wants you to give, God wants you to save, and God wants you to spend because he wants you, to, he gives you everything richly to enjoy. There's always a dimension to that. All right? We're going to get to that. In other words, what is Paul trying to tell us? What is Paul trying to tell us in all of this? What is he trying to tell us? What is the implication of what he's saying? Paul is telling us that as we attempt to, mag- to maximize our attention on what we should need to do to be able to manage our money and land in financial freedom. These are the things that are primary to you, getting financial freedom. If you do this well, if this interacts very well, you are going to experience something called financial freedom, right? But Paul is saying, this is primary. You agree? But there's a secondary thing that you should do, that if you don't get right, Even if you get this right, you can never experience financial freedom. Let me repeat that again. There are certain things that you should do. If you don't get them right, even if you get this right, you might not experience financial freedom. So what is Paul telling us here? The first observation when I do this, just summarize it because I don't have too much time. The first observation that I'm making here is that Paul is telling us that we should be aware of the purpose of money. Money has a purpose. Amen. That's right. And as a Christian, you should know that there's a purpose for which God has enriched you. There's a purpose for which God has given you resources, has has put resources in your care. If you don't understand that purpose, it's going to be a problem. That's number one that money is not about you being puffed up. Money is not to give you your personality, your, uh, your identity, your whatever it is that money gives you, right? Money should not be your confidence. It should, not be your, it should not be what you rely on. It should not be what you depend on. It should not be your ride or die, right? Money has a purpose. And like we have all said, if you don't understand, one of the primary reasons of money is that you should be able to do good works. God has created us for good works. And God gives us resources to be able to do good works at the end of the day. The second observation is that money is a tool. Money is a tool. If you want to build this house, an example, uh, money is going to be the tool that you're going to use to build this house and not this house itself. So money is a tool. It is not the main thing itself, but it can be a means to an end, which leads me to the third one, which is that money is a means to an end and not the end in itself. Money is a means to an end and not the end in itself. And some of the mistakes that we have made as Christians sometimes is that we have taught that money is an end in and of itself. But Paul is telling us that money is not an end in itself, it's a means to an end. So if I'm going to summarize everything that Paul said, let me summarize everything that Paul said. Let me just uh, uh, summarize it. And now summarize it. Can you give me 1 Corinthians 9.25? Paul is saying that we should master our money rather than our money mastering us. Amen. That's all that he said here, if you, if you compress it. That's all that he said. Amen. Master your money, not your money mastering you. if you don't master money you don't have the skills to master money before you have all the money in the world you are going to have a problem when you have that money so he said master the money look at look look at uh yeah look at look at verse 25 of what he said and every man that strives for mastery if you strive for mastery what are we talking about master your money that's what paul is telling us paul is telling us that we should master our money and this is where we're rounding up now Master your money. He said, every man that strives for mastery is temperate in all things. Woo, that's tough. Why am I talking about all these things? You thought I'd be talking about investment and you know, all this stuff and all of that, but I want to tell you that there's a foundation you have to lay first before you actually do a good financial management of your money and you can get a good reward for that. So he said, every man that strives for mastery must be temperate in all things. Now, they do it for, to obtain a corruptible crown, but we are incorruptible. In other words, when we're looking at our money, our mindset as Christians is that our money does not just have effect here or not. It does, but it also has something about eternity to it. And before you are able to understand that, to be able to get to that place where you know that your money has eternal consequences, you have to be able to master your money. And how do you master your money? He said just one word. You must be temperate in all things. Now, I, I think I, I, I wrote that, the meaning of that word. I'm not, I'm not a Greek specialist. I don't know. <laughs> but, but there's a word for it in, in, in the Greek. Um, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let me see. He calls it uh, ekrathionomai. I don't know if I got it right, but something like that. All right, that's what it means. That's what the word to be temperate means, all right? And now. And temporary translates into exercising self-control. Self-control. The biggest problem that we have, why we are not loving concerning our money, why we are not giving enough concerning our money, why we don't know what to do, why all these things, our money is overtaking us, and our money becomes a master of us, is that we don't have self-control. We don't have self-control. If you have self control, self control will help you to know that if I have to give, I'll give, right? And give rightly the way I should give. Self control will tell you how to save, when to save, and what to save. And this one will also tell you what to spend. Even though God has given us all things richly to enjoy, right? We still have to have self control in the way we do our things, in the way we use our money, or else the money takes control of us. Am I correct? Now, When we talk of self-control, I brought out three things from everything that Paul has said, and and that I just want to run by us. And that will just be where, uh, as as we do these three things, I will just see how we run the clock. Okay? Now, if you have self-control, especially in the area of your finances, the first thing that will happen, or the first thing that you will notice, the first thing that happens to people who have self-control is that they know the purpose of whatever it is they are dealing with. Some people call it vision, some people have, you know, call it vision, some people call it uh, uh, purpose, some people call it, I don't know, whatever name you want to give it, right? But I want to tell you, like Miles Moreau says, he said, where purpose is not defined, abuse is inevitable. A lot of times, because we don't have a purpose for our money, we don't understand the purpose for money, guess what, we just do whatever we like with it. And then we stop being stewards of God. Not knowing that God gave us that money for a purpose. God gave it to us to do good. But because we don't have a definition of what the money is, what, you know, why we have money, we run the danger of abusing the privilege that God has given us to be able to manage his resources. If you talk about purpose, let me do this. Uh, I'm not very good at drawing, OK? Uh, let, let me tell you one secret about me, right? I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a visual learner, so I try to project it on you guys. <laughs> if, I if I don't see something, I, I, it's difficult for me to understand. So a lot of times I, I, I do that. So this is uh, maybe like a four-way stop, all right? You want to go to I don't know uh-huh. Disney, Disney, right? You want let's let's say Disney. I, I mean, I don't know Any, anywhere. Just Disney. Let's put it for purposes of this. If you are going to Disney, this is let's do Mr. D Disney. If you are going to Disney, you're getting to Disney. Is not contingent of good intentions. You're getting to Disney is not because you have good intentions. It is not also a complete function of how good your car is. Driving a Benz, navigation does not respect that. It is not a function of how fast you can go. You have driven in NASCAR before and all of that. And you think because you are fast, you can get to Disney. No, that's not the, that's not the function. What determines how you get to Disney is the path you are on, yeah. right. the path you are on, right? So if you are going, if, if Disney is this way, and you go this way, it doesn't matter if you're driving an Escalade or a Mercedes-Benz. If you don't do a course correction, you are off course, you are going away. that's yes. right. Am I correct? Disney is this way, you are going this way as fast as Tony Montana, whatever the name is. Right? You can never get to Disney unless you do a cost correction. Am I correct? Yes. How do you get to Disney? We say this is direction. You have to go this way to get to Disney. Mm -hmm. The purpose of money is to help you to determine the tracks that you are going to get to, to follow, to get to where you are going. Money is what creates the track. I remember I listened to a message in 1985. I'm telling you the truth, I've never forgotten that message. The guy came from the U.S. I was still in Nigeria at that time. I was still very young and all of that. But as young as I was, the guy preached a message I will never forget. In around March 1985, I, fa- I remember the guy's name. Henry H. A- Henry L. Porter, The Reverend Henry L. Porter. He preached a message. He said, it takes more than good intentions. Anything you want to do in the world, anything you want to achieve in the world, it takes more than good intentions. Good intentions alone don't get you there. You have to understand the value and the purpose of what you want to achieve. If you don't know that the purpose for which God has given you money is to do good, I guarantee you you are going to go different directions. In trying to figure out your financial freedom and freedom is not in anywhere except that place where god has determined that freedom is Amen. 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 Oh, are we together yes self-control the number 13 i want you to i want you to note about self-control if you have self-control to be able to manage your money and where you are getting to financial freedom number two is what paul said he repeated it over and over and over again and that is contentment all right Contentment. And when you're talking about financial freedom and making money, and we talk about contentment, that is counter, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense, right? It's counterintuitive, right? It does not make sense when you're talking about, you know, financial freedom and you talking about, you know, contentment. However, Paul is saying, Paul said it many times, he repeated it over and over and over again. Contentment. Contentment. That godliness with contentment is great gain. In another place, he said it in a different way, that I have learned to abound and I've also learned to abase. Amen right? In other words, in any situation I am in, I am able to be happy. When you are down financially, if you don't know how to be content and be happy and be satisfied in who you are in God, when you have enough of money, you are still not going to be able to be happy and be satisfied. I know people who have money. I mean, good money. And they can't spend it. I, I, I'm telling you the truth. I know somebody who told me, I just want my money to just be there and just be breathing and just be looking at me. Because my fear is I don't want to not have it. I don't want to be in a situation where I don't have it. But you have to be in a situation. You, you have to be there. When you're up and you're down, you have to be in a place where you are satisfied. All right? That's satisfied. All right? So what? 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 What is the problem with, like a lack of contentment? You know, you know that? And I want us to kill that lack of contentment here today, this morning, Amen. all right? One of the major reasons why lack of contentment, if I would say 80% of the reason why we don't have contentment is a trap of comparison. Yeah, we compare ourselves to everybody. Really? Am I correct? Yes. And it starts from childhood, right? You give, you give John something, and it's not that, it's not that what you gave him is not enough for him, it's enough, right? And then you give his brother Tommy, same thing. It's only this time it's a little more. And it's because you know their abilities, you know their capacities, you know that Tommy needs more than John. Guess what? John goes just wild. Not because what he has is not enough, but because he's looking over at what Tommy has and immediately he's dissatisfied with what he has. Amen, That's right. And if we take it away from childhood and all of that, is that not what happens? Oh, I have been, you know, in fact, the guy, the day the guy came to this office, I was the one that trained him. I put him through the work. He understood everything. He came under my tutelage. Now he left and we went to a conference and he was the one teaching and standing there and teaching. And even though on my way to the conference I was thanking God, praising God, and thanking Him for all that He has done for me, immediately I saw that guy on the stage. Hey. Something just went wrong in my medulla. That's right. Guess what? A lack of contentment deprives you of a, of a grateful heart. Yes. You can never be grateful. A lack of contentment deprives you of trust. It's difficult to trust God. It's difficult to say, God, I am, I am happy with where you, are found, where you left me. Yes. A lack of contentment will help you, will affect your relationship with others because the primary source of a lack of contentment is the trap of comparison. If you overcome this, the next thing I want you to notice I just summarize all that Paul has said into the three. The last and the final one before I take my seat is patience. Patience. Paul is telling us to be patient. Patience. Patience. What is patience? Patience is taking cognizance of time and seasons. Right? This is where I am, this is where I want to be. But as God lives, I know he's going to lift me from where I am to where I want to be. Amen. But you have to be patient. The force of waiting, you have to wait. Life has seasons. We all have our sizes at different points in times. And you have to leave a moment at a time as God gives you grace because what happens to us when it comes to grace is that God is increasing grace for us. We are growing from one degree of grace to the other and God wants us to do it well and to do it right. And patience is how you are going to be able to enjoy the fullness of God's promotion in grace. Be patient. Stop comparing yourself. Know the reason why God has given you what he has given you. If you do that, that is the beginning or the genesis of financial freedom. If you want to be free financially, start with all these things that Paul has said. Clear your hearts, those things become debris as to how God wants to reach you and wants to do uh, uh, what he needs to do in your life, all right? Are we, are we, are we still together? Yeah. Are we still together? So in conclusion, if you did not get anything here this morning, you did not get anything, you don't, I mean, you, you, you came to church, you did not understand everything I said. Everything I said was just, you know, uh, English. My accent was a problem. My demeanor was not fanciful. My, you know, if, if, you, if, if you didn't get anything, I just wanted you to listen to me now. I want you to listen to me now. All right, in conclusion. And my conclusion is this, financial freedom starts before (laughs) you have a dime to give, before you have a penny to save or a buck to spend. If you don't start that way, it's going to be a problem that's why paul tells us even in spiritual warfare let me just take it now to spiritual warfare in, in the book of ephesians in closing paul was telling us in the book of ephesians he said what he said put on your whole armor uh that you may be able to withstand in the evil day right he told us to put on the evil uh, the whole armor of god that we may be able to withstand in the evil day however there was a precondition to that right and that is he said having done all to stand stand these are the things that will help you stand when you are doing this and even when this is not working, it is able to help you to stand. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just want to thank you this morning. We bless you for everything you have done. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for helping us. Help us to be able to come to this place where we're able to master our money because we depend on you to infuse in us the energy for self-control. Thank you, O God, in the name of Jesus, because you help us to ingrain the purposes of money in our hearts. Yes. You will help us, oh God, to understand and to know, oh God, that we need to be patient and that we need to be contented yes. in every area that we have. Mm-hmm. So that as you begin to bless us, we have a take-off part yes. to be able to do that which you have called us to do. And that is, we represent you and do good works upon the face of the earth. We give you praise. And we ask you to take all the glory and all the honor and all the adoration this morning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless you.